creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry then from north to south and east to west we'd hear christ being
Oh, well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Glad to have you with us. If you're a guest, welcome to you. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it is wonderful to have you worshiping with us today. As we jump in together, I want to give you our three big announcements for the week, all right? Three big ways that you can stay connected here at Southview. First... New members class. Starting this coming Sunday, we've got our first new members class of 2024. That'll run the 14th, the 21st, and the 28th during the 930 time. You can sign up by texting the word member to our number, 910-424-1298. This is a really significant part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to be connected to the community of faith here. Every single time we do a new members class, someone from that class says, I had no idea membership was such a big deal and so biblically important. I wish I would have known this years ago. I would have done it sooner. I encourage you, if you're been attending here for a while, you feel like this might be your church home, sign up for the membership class. You can go through and find out what it means to be a member here at Southview and answer any questions you might have and find out how you can best be connected with us. Second, ladies. Our ladies ministry is having a night of praise and prayer. That's going to be uh, on February 3rd. To sign up for this, ladies, text the word praise to our number, 910-424-1298. It's going to sign you up for that. Chances to come together, meet some ladies, encourage one another. It's going to be a really great time together there on that February 3rd. Sign up by texting praise for that. And then also, ladies, I'm going to give you this. The ladies... Uh, beach retreat in March. Uh, spots are going very fast. It is first come, first serve. If you've been thinking about signing up, but you haven't yet, you need to do that today. If you do not do it today, I cannot guarantee there's going to be a spot available for you, okay? So if you want to sign up for our ladies beach retreat in March, text the word retreat to our number, 910-424-1298 to sign up for that. And then for guys, on February 10th, we're going to have a breakfast for guys. You can sign up for that by texting the word bacon. Uh, so our theme for this year for our men's ministry is going to come from Philippians chapter 2. This idea that God has called us, he says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when he tells us to work out our salvation, that doesn't mean that he's telling us to be, work our way into salvation, to work towards salvation. He's saying, you've been saved Jesus Christ has been placed in you. Now, pull that out and do something with it, right? Make something useful of your salvation. So all year long, we're going to be focusing on this idea of how do you do something good and useful with your salvation for yourself, for your family, for your church. It's going to start on February 10th. Guys, sign up for that. Text BACON so we know how much bacon to provide for you. Um, and then we'll be uh, ready for that. And then for our guests today, if you're a guest with us, Two things I want you to do, okay? If you're a guest with us today, one, text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. Text the word CONNECT. You'll get a link. Tap on that. Answer a couple of questions just so we know who you are. And we can be connected with you and know how to minister to you. Second thing you can do if you're a guest with us, I would love my wife and I to meet you at the welcome desk in the back at the end of the service, okay? So if you're a guest, do those two things for me. Grab your phone and text CONNECT. And then um, uh, answer a couple of questions and then meet us in the back after the service so we can uh, just put a name with a face and get to know you a little bit, all right? 
And then for all our other announcements, you can download our app, iTunes or Google Play. You can give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. You can find a small group online through the app. You can find past sermons on the app. You can find our sermon notes for today on the app. All of that, that's the best way to be connected with what we're doing here. Now, as we transition into our worship time, I want to read some scripture for us. Uh, Luke chapter 18. So in Luke 18, Jesus is giving a, 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 a parable. He's teaching. And, and I want you to hear what he says in verse 1 of Luke 18. He says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Just think about that for a second. The Bible is explaining something. Jesus is teaching them this so that they'll keep praying and not get discouraged and give up. So think about this. The only reason Jesus would teach us to keep praying and not give up is because he knows in life we're going to be tempted to stop praying and give up. Right? He, he knows that. He knows that sometimes we can get discouraged. Sometimes we can um, feel like it's not working. Sometimes we feel like God's forgotten us. And so he, he teaches this parable for the purpose of them to remember. Always pray and don't give up. And, and it goes like this, verse 2. He says, In a city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who will cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So it's kind of a, an argument of lesser to greater. The idea is you got this judge that doesn't love God, doesn't fear God, doesn't respect man, doesn't care about this lady. But he eventually gives into her request because she just aggravates him to death. Right? She's your three-year-old. Can I have it? 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 Fine! And the idea is, if this wicked, godless man would do something good for this lady because she keeps pursuing him, asking for it, how much more does your great and amazing love in God give to us as we continue coming to him? Always pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't get defeated. Keep going after him. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. I, I have no doubt in this room that there are people that for one reason or another, you come in today feeling this a little bit, feeling discouraged, feeling like you're going to lose hearts, feeling like you're going to give up. I want to encourage you today. Don't stop. Trust God. Trust Him. God, I pray for us here in this room. I pray for those of us here 
who maybe feel discouraged. I know that there are times in my life I very much have felt discouraged and lost hearts and just gave up praying. I know I've done that. And I thank you for your word, Jesus, that encourages me to stay faithful and not lose heart. And I pray, God, for us here today. That's exactly what will well up here. All over this room, you'll stir up in us, God, a, a, a hunger, a desire, a pushing to keep going and not lose heart. Not because we have trust in ourselves or in the situation or the changing situation, but our hope is in you. We trust in you and you are accomplishing great things. Even if we can't see it or understand it, we trust that you're doing it because your word says, always pray and don't lose heart. Always pray and don't lose heart. So God, I pray that you would make us today a group of people, men and women, who pray fervently, faithfully, constantly, not giving up, not getting discouraged, not losing faith, but pushing forward because we believe that you're going to be faithful to your word. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, I want to ask you to stand with me. And as we think about this idea of not losing heart and not giving up, as we sing through this worship set, I want you to think about the words that we're singing, that we're talking about, again, how God is faithful and he's true and he's just. And even when we feel like we're falling away, he always holds on to us. He is the, the, the source of every good thing. He's the fount for every blessing. So let's keep going after him. Let's sing.
riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever
Matthew chapter 28 together, all right? Matthew chapter 28. So uh, today, this week, marks the beginning of my 
sixth year as the pastor here at Southview, um, which is crazy. Yes, thank you. That's as much an applause for you as it is for me. You, you survived it. Congratulations. So uh, when, and I've shared this story before, um, so in how I came about uh, to become the pastor here. Um, so my family and I, uh, I was pastoring a church outside of Charlotte, and uh, things were good and been there for about 12 years and um, only church my kids had ever known, and we were, we were set just to, to live there forever and do that forever, and that was going to be it. And, and uh, one day, uh, my dad called me, and uh, he said, hey, so um, how long have you been in ministry? I said, uh, 20 years, I guess, at this point. He said, okay. He said, well, in all that time, I've never done what I'm about to do. I said, okay. He said, um, you, I think you're supposed to send your resume to Southview Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. Um, I, I'd never heard of Southview. View. I didn't know if you was a church. I didn't know where Hope Mills was. I had to Google it. I thought you were closer to Raleigh. Like, oh, Fayetteville. Oh, okay. No clue. Um, so he said, I think, I think you should do that. I said, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, like any good son, I did not do it, right? Um, so then about a week or so later, he calls me up. We're talking again. He's like, hey, so did you ever send that? I said, no, no, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do that. He said, I'm telling you. You need to do that. Do that. Send them your resume. So at least I, then I pulled up the website and looked through it, and, and it said that uh, you were no longer accepting resumes for pastor. You moved past that stage. You weren't accepting resumes any longer. I thought, okay, well, they're not accepting resumes, so okay. So again, I talked to my dad a little while later. He said, so did you, did you, send, him, did you send him your resume? I said, no, no, I, I looked into it. They're not accepting resumes any longer, and so I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. He said, Brad, um, as clearly as I've ever heard God say anything to me in my life, I believe that I heard God say that you're going to be the next pastor of that church. You should send him a resume. <laughs> so then what do you do at that point? You're like, no. <laughs> so, so I was okay. So I sent up a resume, and my heart wasn't in it. I'm not even sure. It probably was a resume like from high school. I don't know. I have an idea. Like I just point and clicked from whatever the first thing I found uh, on my laptop and sent it and assumed I would never hear anything back. And then a couple weeks later, I ended up getting correspondence from the committee and, hey, can you fill this out? And I did that. And then that led to a conversation, another conversation, another conversation. And then, um, honestly, they just kept calling me. And so I looked at Marie one day and said, so I guess we should pray. Like, because I, this feels like it's a thing. Like, I don't, what happened here? Um, and, uh, and so anyway, um, I eventually came one day, uh, uh, Marie and I came up for a couple of days and, uh, you weren't aware of any of that. Um, but, uh, came up for a couple of days and, um, spent some time with the committee and the staff and some key leaders and, uh, spent a couple of days just kind of talking with them and sharing my heart and hearing from them. And so we ended that with, um, okay, let's go, everybody go their separate corners, let's take a few days and pray, and then we'll see. And so Mark Morris, who was the chairman of that committee, said, hey, I'll call you in a few days, and um, we'll, we'll just see, you know, if we feel like, you know, either of us feel like we're supposed to move forward from there. All right, great. So I go home and spend a couple of days in prayer, and, and I remember vividly where I was. I was sitting on my couch in our living room. I can see it right now. And, and as I'm praying through this, as 
again, just so clearly I felt God impress on my heart that I was absolutely supposed to come to the point where if the committee called me and said, hey, we actually, we decided we're not going to, we feel like God's hitting us in another direction, I would have been convinced that they were being disobedient. Like, I was that, I was that convinced. Like, this is a thing that's happening. Um, and then sure enough, you know, God in his grace uh, indeed allowed that to happen. And here I am five years later. Um, so, again, when I came, um, I came just out of obedience. God said, come, and so we came. And, um, and then, you know, after about a year being here, February of 2020 hit, and, you know, the world decided to lose their mind. Um, and so things got, you know, different for us, and so we navigated through all of that as a congregation. And so we come here five years in. And what I want to do five years in, beginning year six, is I want to take some time here at the beginning of 2024 and I want to clearly lay out and articulate for us as a congregation who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. Uh, the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the walls have torn down, the gate's been burned, it's just completely decimated. God calls him there uh, to rebuild the city. He spends some time in the city by himself, just kind of getting the lay of the land. And when he figures out, okay, here's where we are. Here's what God's called us to do. All right, then he, he gathers the leaders and the people together and said, hey, here's, here's the plan. Um, and I kind of feel like we're at that moment as a congregation. I want to take some time and kind of lay out for us again. Okay, here's the plan. Here's who God's called us to be. And, and here's how I think we get there. Um, so again, when... I first started having a conversation with you as a congregation about becoming your pastor. I didn't know anything about the area. I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything, nothing. Right? And so, but, but in the time that I've been here, I've become convinced of a couple of things. Um, one, I believe the Fayetteville area, and when I say Fayetteville area, that's Hope Mills, Cumberland County, and proper, all that, right? So the, four, the Fayetteville area. I believe has the opportunity to be the most kingdom, one of the most kingdom strategic places in the world. I genuinely believe that. I believe where we live. It's one of those Esther moments. If you read the book of Esther uh, in the Old Testament, where you know God raises up this uh, little um, uh, Jewish girl and makes her queen, right? And she's like, "What in the world am I doing here? This is over my head. This is nuts." And and her cousin says, "Hey." How do you know God hasn't raised you up for such a time as this? And I feel like this is kind of a such a time as this moment. I believe that God desires to use our community, our area, to legitimately see the world change for the kingdom of God. I absolutely, I am completely convinced of that. Um, at this point in the game, I'm 45. I am 45. Is that correct? I think I'm 45. So, you have, you ever, anybody else have to do that? You have to look at your spouse and ask how old you are. Is that just me? Is it anybody else? Okay. Um, at this point, again, I want to be honest with you. Um, I, I want, as I look about at the last 20 years of ministry for me, all right? So the next 20 years, I, I'm, I'm praying God gives me another 20 years of strong ministry, and then I'm going to go live at the beach, and y'all can have it. So in the next 20 years, what do I want to see happen? And do I believe that this is the place that God desires to see that happen? And I think the answer to that is yes. I, I really believe that God wants to use our community and Southview as a small little piece of that to do absolutely unbelievable things for the glory of God. So I dream big dreams. Like I think big stuff. Like 
I desire our community to be used for things that they're going to write books about. Right? And so here's what I want. I don't want our kids and grandkids to have to learn about a great move of God somewhere else. I want them to have lived it. That makes sense? I want them to be able to tell other people the story. And I believe that God desires to do that in our community. And I believe that God can use Southview as a small little piece of that puzzle to see that happen for his glory. So what I want to do, spending the next few weeks here, beginning this year, is just kind of lay out what that could maybe look like for us. And so I want to start today by just kind of laying a ground, ground level for us of just what's the mission, right? What's the mission God's given us? So here it is in a nutshell. Southview seeks to fulfill the Great Commission by discipling people to worship Christ as their greatest treasure, nurture a relationship with Christ in others, and be a witness for Christ in the world. Um, we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks unpacking that statement. Um, but all I want to focus on today is the first little phrase. Southview seeks to fulfill the Great Commission. I just want to start there. Um, what does that mean? What is the Great Commission? What's our ultimate goal? So what we consider the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28. So here's what's happening. Um, Jesus has risen from the grave. He has gone to the Marys and said, hey, go tell the rest of the disciples uh, to um, come meet me here. They come and meet him. And in Matthew 28, 16, it says that they were excited and they worshiped him, but still, some were still doubting. It was almost sort of like, this is amazing. Jesus is alive. This whole thing is true. And I'm a little freaked out. Is this too good to be true? Right? So all this is happening all at once. Jesus then spends 40 days with them, teaching them. And at the end of that 40 days, as he's about to ascend up into heaven, he gives them their final command. The last thing. Here's the last thing I want you to do. Would we agree, just on a practical level, as someone is about to depart from you, and they look at you and go, all right, look, I've told you a lot of stuff, but there's one thing that you got to do above all. That's important, right? If you were to leave last um, um, uh, commands, last desires, last hopes for your kids, for what, right? that's a big deal. And so Jesus, the very last thing he does before he ascends, ascends into heaven is give this. So let's read it. Matthew 28. We're going to read 18, 19, and 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage is known as the Great Commission. Right? So let's Let's, let's drill down on those words. What's a commission, right? We've got a lot of military folk in the room. A commission, right? It's a, it's a command. It's a duty. It's a responsibility, right? You're, you're given um, oversight over a thing. Do this. And it's called the great commission. So in other words, this is the ultimate command, the ultimate responsibility, the ultimate duty to be given. And what is it? To go into all the world making disciples and the church of Jesus Christ obeying this command has completely changed the face of the earth. The, the, the Christian church began in the book of Acts with 120 people huddled up in an upper room. 
And because they were obedient to this, it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew to the point now where there are about 2 billion people on planet Earth that call themselves Christians. And every day, about 90,000 more people, every day, 90,000 more people come to faith in Christ. Because others are being obedient to this. And as you look at this, there are just two words I want you to circle for today. Two big words we're just going to focus on. Make disciples. If you have a Bible, circle that. Here's why that's important. As you look at this passage, this is the only command in that sentence, right? Going, teaching, baptizing, those are what's called participles, right? So let's go to English class for a second. A verb is the command, go do this. Participles explain how you do the thing. So the command is, make disciples. And he said, how I want you to make disciples is by going, baptizing, and teaching. And we'll spend the next few weeks again kind of thinking through those ideas. But the big thing I want you to notice today is the one command. What's the one thing we're told to do? Make disciples. Make disciples. So what does that mean? So first, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is a follower. So if you read through the New Testament, the word Christian is only used two or three times in the entire Bible. We call ourselves Christians. That's the one word that we use to describe ourselves. You know the Bible only uses that word two or three times, depending on how you translate something? In the entire Bible. However, you're called a disciple of Jesus over 200 times. The primary way God describes you as his child is as a disciple of Jesus. Someone who's a follower. So during this New Testament time, if someone was going to be a disciple uh, and there was a rabbi, a teacher, they wanted to be a disciple of that teacher, they would quit their job, they'd leave their family, they'd move all away from all of that, and they'd follow that, that teacher everywhere. And the idea was you follow that teacher so closely that you mimic everything about them. You think how they think, you talk how they talk, you, they, you, you believe what they believe, you do what they do, how they will respond in a situation, that's how you respond in a situation. You are literally, to be a disciple means to be a carbon copy of your teacher. That makes sense? This is what we are commanded to do. Make carbon copy disciples of Jesus. Do we do this? Do we seek to make disciples like that? Uh, think about it like this. This is maybe a, 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 a real-world example of what it means to follow someone that closely. So I'm a, I'm a massive Chris Farley fan. Like, I love Farley. All the skits are memorized. All the movies are memorized. A couple years ago, Hulu came out with a documentary about Chris Farley. I made all my kids sit down and watch it. Like, this is history class. Watch it. All right? All right? This is a legend here. So Chris Farley, uh, I read an, uh, an, an article, um, an interview with him before he died. And he said his hero was John Belushi. You remember John Belushi, Saturday Night Live, Blues Brothers, Animal House, right? So John Belushi. He said, I love Belushi. I want to be like Belushi. I want to do everything just like Belushi did. All right, so John Belushi. John Belushi began his comedy career at the Second City Comedy Troupe in Chicago. 
After that, he moved to Saturday Night Live where he exploded in popularity and fame. He was able to use that to get into movies, which even more so blew up his fame, his notoriety, his wealth. However, Belushi always struggled to feel loved. He never felt like people liked him for him. And so because he never really could find himself and never really could feel confident with himself, Belushi constantly struggled with his weight. Belushi constantly struggled with alcohol abuse, drug abuse. And sadly, John Belushi died in his apartment in Chicago by himself of a drug overdose at the age of 33. Chris Farley wanted to be just like Belushi. So you know what Farley did? He began his comedy career at the Second City Comedy Troupe in Chicago. From there, he moved to Saturday Night Live, where he blew up in popularity and fame. He was able to then parlay that into a movie career, which even more so increased his fame and notoriety. However, Farley really struggled to feel loved by people. He really struggled to find his place. And as a result of that, Farley really struggled with his weight. Farley struggled with drug and alcohol abuse. And Chris Farley died of a drug overdose alone in his apartment in Chicago at the age of 33. He followed John Belushi his entire life all the way up to his death. Now, from a Christian perspective, that is exact. When we say be a Christian, be a disciple, be a follower, that is what we're talking about. You following Jesus like that. You mimicking everything about him. You thinking like he thinks and talking like he talks and responding like he responds and living like he lives. You actually be a committed, devoted, total, complete disciple of Jesus. And then, specifically what does it say there in verse 19? Go and make more of them. So here it is. You ready? Here's the command of Jesus Christ. The command of Jesus is that you and I would get to heaven one day and be able to look beside us and say, that guy is here because I showed him how to follow Jesus. Here's a question that I have for every one of us. Is there anyone in your life that is following Jesus today because you taught them how to do it? Is there anyone who is a disciple of Jesus because you showed them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? When we talk about um, markers that we want to hit as a congregation to see that we're, we're doing well, and, and, you know, we look at numerical growth and we look at finances and all those things, and that's, that, that's great. I, 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 the, the, our folk in our office can tell you that I'm a numbers junkie. Like, I want numbers. I want to have stats and figures and numbers and everything. we got charts and graphs to graph everything that we do around here. I, 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 I keep a track on every number, and that's great. But here's the one number that I want to be true. When it's all said and done, I want every single member of Southview Baptist Church to be able to say, there's at least one person in your life 
that's following Jesus because you taught them and showed them how to do it. That's the goal. That's it. If we do that, we're being faithful to Jesus' last command, and then what it looks like numerically, who cares? There's always going to be churches that are bigger. What does it matter? No, no, that's the point. If we can be a church that actually is seeking to obey what Jesus said to do, that's a win. That's the goal. The goal is we want every single person in this room, every single person connected with this church to be able to say, Here are the per- here's the person or people that I have personally discipled and taught and shown and modeled how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They're walking with Jesus today, and I was able to show them how to do it. That's the goal. That's what we're after. So my question is this. If that's the goal, if that's the command of God to do that, why don't we do it? Right? Why don't we ever do that? We talk about it. I think most of us would agree that's what the Bible says. We say that's a good thing. We, got, we read books about it. We go to conferences about it. We hear sermons about it. We wear t-shirts about it. All of those things. But here's the question. Does any of that matter if none of us actually do it? Does it matter? I would say the answer is no. So then why don't we do it? Why do we know it's a good thing to do, but we don't do it? Right? We all have things in our life that we know we should do. We know we ought to do. But for this specific thing, why don't we? Uh, Let me give you one idea. Something specifically that I want us to focus on today. This idea of making disciples, why don't we do that? I think the first big hurdle we've got to jump is this. I think the most of us do not actively make disciples of Jesus because we personally don't live like a disciple of Jesus. At the end of the day, that's what it is. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came across four guys fishing, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And at that moment, those four men dropped everything. Their professions, their possessions, their families, their dreams, their five-year plans, their retirement packages, they dropped all of it and just followed Jesus. And and for every one of them, it demanded something, right? They couldn't just say they were a follower of Jesus and then just keep on doing what they were doing. They had to leave that behind and actually pursue Jesus. And for every one of those men, it ended badly. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified in Greece. James was beheaded. John was exiled and left to die on an island after being boiled alive in hot oil. It did not go well for them. But they were willing to do it because they believed that they were disciples of Jesus. And if he died, who am I to say it's not okay for me to die? For us, though, today, Christianity is it's gotten weird and goofy. Like the amount of people that say that they're Christians but just don't live as disciples. We say we're followers of Jesus, but we don't actually follow Jesus. 
And that is terrifying. Matthew 7, 21 says, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but I will say, Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Many people will say that they're Christians, but not actually be one, not actually be a follower of Jesus. And this terrifies me. So the first question that we need to address before we get into making disciples and how we do that and what does that look like as a church and what are things we want to do. Step one is this. My first question for us is, do I live as a disciple of Jesus? Do you really do that? Again, this society has created this bizarre, goofy version of Christianity that is far, far, far from the Bible. It doesn't look anything like the New Testament anymore. People can live in all kinds of godlessness but call themselves Christians. And you're supposed to say okay to that. Because if they call themselves that, who are you to say that they're not? You know, it's kind of like this. Um, you know, technology has changed a lot. And uh, we were cleaning out some stuff the other day. And um, I love having conversations with my kids about things in their life today. And they're marveling at the fact that that wasn't a part of my life growing up. Right? So, like, so did you have Google growing up? But no. No. We had things called the encyclopedia. Right? And we weren't those rich kids that had encyclopedias at their house. No. You had to go to a building called a library. And look that bad boy up. So we were cleaning things out the other day. And we came across some CDs. And no lie, one of my kids looked at that and asked the question, what is that? Right now, because, again, you just... We, we didn't have iTunes. We didn't have Apple Music, right? You couldn't just, just hit the Apple Music app on your phone and listen to any song in the world anytime you wanted. No way, man. For us growing up, right, we had those cassette tapes. And if a friend had a tape that you liked, what'd you have to do? Make a copy. Did someone say steal it? Did I hear that? <laughs> no, no, no. Follower of Jesus. Oh. Had to make that copy, man. And then I remember one time I bought a radio with a dual cassette. Oh, that's a game changer there, man. Right? That's totally like, oh, it's money now. So what do you do now? You put that original in one. You put the blank in the other. You hit play on the original and record. Boom. Just like that, you have your very own Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction tape. Right? Just like that, man. Got it. But here's the problem, though. You notice this? You ever make a copy of someone's copy? Oh, now Axl Rose sounds like he got hit in the face with an axle. Right? So, the farther you get away from the original, the poorer the quality, the lousier it sounds, the least enjoyable it is. In the same way for us, I want to encourage you. I feel like for a lot, it's easy to bash on the American church because we're just weird. But it's easy, for a lot of us in the American church, it's like we're living a version of Christianity that's so far away from the original, it doesn't even look or sound like it anymore. Right? It's like, what, what even is that? Here's my desire for us as a church. Is that we, it's, it's, it's not complicated and it's not hard. It's not that it will be easy, 
but it's not complicated or hard. We want to go back to the original. And we very simply want to see who is Jesus and what does it mean for me to be a total, complete, committed, absolute disciple of his. And do what he said, the way he said it, how he said it. Live how he lived, did what he did, speak how he spoke, love the things that he loved, hate the things that he hated. Be an actual disciple of Jesus. In, in fact, this year, 24, after we go through this season, this, this series on mission and vision, um, I'm going to preach through the book of Mark. And we're just going to take time and go slow through the book of Mark and just look at who is Jesus, what's he doing. And on a practical level, we're just going to every week go, and here's what Jesus is doing. Here's what it looks like tomorrow morning for you to be a disciple like that. Right? We're just going to go through the book of Mark and just go boom, 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 boom. Because we want to be legitimate, original disciples of Jesus. And then we want to go help somebody else do that as well. When you think about the mission and vision of Southview Baptist Church, it's actually not complicated. We want to be a group of people who are faithful followers of Jesus and then help and teach other people how to be faithful followers of Jesus as well. That's it. And so for us as a church, man, we're going to start looking at everything we do. Our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, our worship ministry, our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our parking lot ministry. And we're going to look at it and we're going to ask one question. Is this helping us make disciples? If it's not, then we want to figure out a way to help that happen. We want everything that we do to accomplish the very clear command of Jesus. Go make disciples. And if it's something that doesn't do that or accomplish that, why are we wasting time, energy, effort, resources on it? Why are we doing it? What's the point? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm busy. I got stuff going on. I, I don't have any desire to, to invest in things that aren't actually going to do the one thing I was commanded to do, and that's make disciples. And so, not only for us as a church, but, but then also for you in your life, what we're going to be looking at again over the weeks to come is, okay, how do you practically do this in your own life? When you get up, go to work tomorrow, school tomorrow, up with the kids, your stay-at-home mom, whatever the case might be, how do you practically do what Jesus has commanded you to do? Make disciples of Jesus. This is what it all comes down to what it's all about. But for you today, the big question that I have is, do I personally live as a disciple of Jesus? Do you? I'm asking you to bow your heads for me. And, and I want to give you just a moment to let this question kind of roll around in your brain. Are you a real disciple of Jesus? Maybe for some of you here today, you would say, you know, I know that I'm a Christian. I know I've trusted by faith in Jesus. But to be honest, I also know that there are things in my life that do not look like a disciple. I know that. I confess that. I admit that. Okay. Join the club. Okay. The key is to confess that, repent of that, and start following. Or maybe today, 
you'll say, you know, I, I'm not a disciple of Jesus because I'm just not a Christian. I don't, I, I don't live for Jesus like that. Well, today, do you want to be a true disciple? Do you want to be a true disciple of Jesus? Are you ready to turn away from everything in your life that does not look like him? Jesus came and he died for your sin. Trust Jesus as your Savior. Trust Jesus as your Savior. He died in your place for your sin so that you can follow him as a new creation. As we end our time here this morning, we're going to spend some time worshiping together. Just again, setting our hearts on the fact that following Jesus is the most important thing in my life. And again, just sort of setting in our minds and saying, Jesus, I give you my everything. I give you my heart, my soul, my mind, my body, my friendships, my relationships, my money, my sin, my past, my present, my future. I give you everything. I just want to follow you. Man, is that your heart? Is that your desire? I believe that. I, I just sense that there are so many people in this room that, that that is burning in you. Like, you have that. Jesus, I want to give you everything, and I just want to live for you. That is awesome. I know that is all over this place. And what we want to do as a congregation is stoke that, right? Breathe into that flame so it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. That's our desire. So I want to encourage you today. Profess this to the Lord give you my everything. I'm just living for you. Jesus, I pray that you will be glorified in us as we seek to glorify you. In your name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.
Southview Baptist Church seeks to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of Jesus that worship him as their greatest treasure, seek to nurture a deeper love for Jesus in one another, and to live as a witness in this world. Are you living as a disciple of Jesus Christ? The answer to that is no. Or I've got some struggles, some questions. We'd love to help you do that. This is why we exist. This is what we want to do. Again, if you're a guest with us, we'd love to meet you in the back. Please come back and say hello. Uh, Let me pray for us and I'll let you go. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and died and rose again to make it possible for us to be your followers, to be your disciples. I thank you, Jesus, that you would never ask something of us that could not be done filled with your spirit and empowered by your life. So when you call us to follow you, that's a possibility. We can actually do that. I pray, Lord, that we would grab a hold to this truth that we're called to be genuine, legitimate, imitating followers, disciples of you. We'll seek to do that and teach others to do the same. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. to